0: So the name of our conference is Hope, Strong, Sure, and Sufficient. And uh, we're going to be talking about, of course, uh, the hope that we have in the Lord and also being uh, equipped and uh, trained and encouraged, especially for uh, the day, the days in which we live. I don't think we have to convince one another here that uh, we are in challenging times Uh, the world is in challenging times the church of course is in a challenging time and uh, more more than ever we need uh, the scripture and uh, the fellowship the encouragement of one another and uh, to be to be light the darker the days grow the uh, greater our light will shine so Uh, We do need to be encouraged, but we also need to be prepared. So, I hope you were able to pick up a copy of uh, Grill a Christian. um, I've got my copy, and uh, I'm looking forward to reading through. There's some great questions, common questions, uh, common objections, common hesitations to Uh, Christianity and the faith, and so this just gives us uh, some extra tools in our tool belt to be able to share with others when we meet them and if they have questions as well. So make sure you get that uh, copy today. Also, uh, we will, uh, after each session, we'll have a break so you can stretch, so you can go to the restroom. If you want to go over to the dining room in the Family Life Center, there's some drinks and snacks over there for you too, so we'll have uh, 10 or 15 minutes or so um, uh, break, and uh, you can in, enjoy fellowship for a little while, and then we'll get back started on uh, for each session. So um, one more thing is, uh, the book is Grill a Christian. In uh, the next, sex, uh, next session, Dr. Johnson is going to speak for us, and then the next session at 5 o'clock, and I've i got to get my phone so I can keep up with the time. The next session at 5 o'clock is going to be a Q&A with Dr. Johnson and Mike Landrum, uh, professors at North Greenville. So that's going to be grill a professor time. So if you have a question, I've got a few questions that I'm going to get us started with, but if you have a question uh, as you're sitting here for these first two uh, sessions or things that you're you would like to ask, email those to me, willowins at me.com, and uh, we'll try to work in some questions that you might, uh, that you may have that you would like to ask as well. And then, of course, tonight we'll, we'll have pizza over at the Family Life Center, and then uh, we'll have a uh, worship, uh, worship team from North Point will be here with us, and then Mike's going to be speaking to the students and parents tonight, seven o'clock, over in the Family Life Center. So we're looking forward to today. And then tomorrow, Dr. Fant will be with us for Sunday school. Our Sunday school will meet over in the gym, 9 o'clock. We'll have a Sunday school there where the orchestra sets up and uh, rehearses. And then 10 o'clock, we'll be back here in the sanctuary to hear Dr. Fant again on tomorrow. So let's look at our our text. The text for our conference is First Peter chapter 3 and verses 15 through 18. And Peter writes, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you For a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil." For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this afternoon. We thank you for this day that we can uh, quiet all of the activity and busyness around us. We can come together. We can assemble in this place and we can gather around your word. We can fellowship with each other, encourage each other. Most of all, we can direct our hearts to the scripture, allow the scripture to do its work in our life and inform us and revive us and challenge us and convict us, equip us that we might be the salt and the light. And the soldiers of the cross that you've called us to be. So we do give you praise and glory for this time. And we pray that you would bless this time greatly. And may your will be accomplished in our lives. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. So really the, the, the primary theme for the conference is the last part of verse 15, always being prepared. That's, that's a really, uh, that's a daunting phrase, isn't it? Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So we, we need to always be prepared in, in any and every situation, always having an answer, always being able to give a defense. But the the reason for being asked the question for the reason is the hope, the hope that is in us as believers. So, in other words, from the world's perspective, from from the observation of an unbeliever, from someone who is not a part of the family of God... From their perspective, from their viewpoint, there should be an, an undeniable, recognizable, distinguishing mark upon our lives. And that mark is hope. We should have a very visible, recognizable hope. Now, truly for the believer, we, we would all agree that we, we as true children of God, we, we have a great unshaken hope that is always with us and, and should always be visible. We would agree with that. It, it should always be visible in our lives. Christ, our Savior and Lord, lives within us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. The Word of God, as our ultimate truth, directs our lives, assures us, comforts us, sustains us. The Spirit of God indwells us, He guides us, He enlightens us, He encourages us, He convicts us, He empowers us. God, our Father, is always watching over us, always carrying us, always keeping us and sustaining us. The gospel is always filling us with power and always lifting our hearts beyond the temporary hardships of life. So we do, as believers, we know that that is a theological, doctrinal truth, an absolute reality, that we have this great certain hope. So that however dark the day may be, however troublesome the trial that we face, however heartbreaking and difficult the situation, we have something as believers that the world does not have and it cannot give. We have hope. And in our day, the world needs the hope of the gospel more than more than ever. That's really what's behind having a conference like this, our, our post-Christian culture that we recognize more and more each and every day has not only rejected the gospel of Christ, the Bible as our authority, the God of Scripture, but in many cases has absolutely forgotten. that There are pockets... And subcultures in our society that now have no remnant of Christianity about them whatsoever. They have no knowledge, they have no history, they have no recognition. Totally post Christian. And so that means that that forgotten. The gospel is to forget the only solution we have, the only answer, the only real answer that we have. And so, what are you left with? Well, people are doing what we see people are doing. People are wandering around, scurrying around, trying to find some kind of meaning. The scripture speaks of being blind and groping about in darkness When we remove salvation in Christ, the only thing that we're left with is whatever the world can offer, whatever the world can put in the place of that reconciliation with God and that peace with the Father. And so you're only left with things like pride, wealth, popularity, sinful pleasures, hobbies, outings trips stuff that's that's all you're left with and and all of these things they for for a while they they may succeed to to distract us and charm us and make us feel better make us feel good for a while they will Get our attention and and help us not to think about our issues, our problems, our true needs. Because truly, we don't really need another possession. But if we get another possession, it's fun for a while. Truly, we don't need the other things that we pursue. But if we do those things, they'll distract us for a while from what we truly need. What our true issues are. These other things simply cannot suffice. They're not meant to answer. They're not meant to solve our issues. So eventually, anything that replaces God in our lives, anything that takes God's place, eventually it loses steam. Eventually it runs out, it wears out, it gets old, it gets boring... And then what do we have to do? Well, we have to go to the next thing. We have to find the next person. It eventually leaves us empty. It eventually leaves us in a sea of despair and destruction. Sin, putting anything, in God's, anything else in God's place, sin will finally leave us without hope. Now, even more tragic is when the the world's influence and the world's answers begin to creep into the church. We are prone because we are human and we are sinners. So, we are prone to be charmed by the allure of the world, of, of what appears to be fun, what appears to be freedom, what appears to be fulfilling. And so, those things get our attention, And they can convince us. It's very easy to be convinced of the empty promises of the world when so many people seem to be fulfilled by them. So we become convinced and finally we turn our eyes and our hearts to lesser things. The world's quest, the world's vain quest to fill up that emptiness becomes our quest. Scriptural truth Begins to be traded for worldly ideology. We begin to think like the world. We begin to make the same conclusions. The same justifications. The same rationalizations. The same compromises. And everything else. Begins to take priority over. Gathering with the saints. For worship and fellowship. And encouragement. And growth in Christ. One of the. Indicators. the One of the. Uh, most visible indicators of the loss of the gospel in our day is the rise of anxiety and depression, both outside the church and inside the church. It's skyrocketing in our world. We've lost our center. We've lost our hope. So when we when we come to a text like this, it's it's very important for us as believers then to reorient ourselves, first of all, before we think about what unbelievers are going to ask us, we need to ask ourselves things. As you can see in uh, verse 15, what I'm gonna in, in, in my part of being a part of this is I'm just going to deal with the first phrase of verse 15 because that's where everything starts. It begins in the heart. In order for the church to return to and, and revive the only hope this world has, the only hope we have, it, it begins in the heart now if you're like me when when I think of being prepared to give and a defense for uh, the hope that is in you, I'm thinking of apologetics. I'm thinking of, well, we, we've, we've got to do our research. You know, we've got to know our biblical history. We've, we've got to know science. We've got to know philosophy. We've, we've, we've got to be able to, to answer the objections to Scripture and the textual objections, and, and we've got to do all of these things to have, to have all of these answers, and it's, all, it's very important. That's why, we, that's why we're handing out this book. That's why, you know, for the, during the spring, we loaded up a bus and went to the Ark and the Creation Museum to, to be equipped with, with answers. We need to be equipped with answers to questions and, and objections of unbelievers. But notice with me. Notice with me in verse 15... It's not our knowledge that grabs the attention of the world. They're not impressed with how well we can defend the Bible. They've already rejected the Bible. What is it that grabs their attention? Our hope. We've got something they haven't found, we've got something they can't get. We've got something they're unfamiliar with. It's a thing that we possess that cannot be accessed in the world. It's not foremost how much we know. it's, It's how alive is our faith. It is the hope of the gospel that lifts our spirits through the storms and sufferings of this life. without which we would absolutely crumble and fall apart. It's the hope of the gospel that lifts our eyes when we stand by the grave of a loved one who was in Christ. It's the hope of the gospel that lifts our eyes when it comes time for us to be in the grave. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, as believers, when we stand by the grave of a fellow believer, yes, we grieve, but we do not do so as those who have no, here it is, hope. The hope is a gospel. The hope is Christ. And yes, it will renew our minds. And yes, we are to be filled with the knowledge of the truth and the knowledge of God. But that hope resides in our hearts. And that's why Peter says, but in your hearts. When we've lost our hope, we need a heart check. That's where salvation begins. It's, the new, it's in the new birth. God gives us a new heart. A heart that is free to do what it was created to do and that is love God love God and treasure Christ so a faith that resides only in the head a faith that merely knows the ins and outs of the scripture and the books of the Bible and the big verses the big Sunday school verses a faith that just resides in the head merely agreeing with biblical truth, will never save the soul and never transform the life. But when faith in Christ takes hold of our hearts and we surrender our all to Christ, that's when we find life. That's when our eyes are open. That's when we find hope. Hope for this day and hope for life everlasting. So this text is meant to, and this weekend is is meant to equip us as believers to keep the faith and shine the light in the darkness around us. And all of that begins in the heart. We need a heart check before we begin to fill our minds with answers. So verse 15 really points us in the direction of this heart check. He says, in your heart hearts, honor Christ. So the first thing for a heart check for the believer, Peter is talking to believers here, in your hearts, honor Christ, is having Christ honoring affection. You honor what you love or who you love. That's why Peter says, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord. You see, there's only one place adequate for the Lord of glory to sit in our affections. That is first place. Now, there's always something else clamoring for first place in our affections. There's always something grabbing for that attention. There's there's always something trying to climb up into the chief seat of affections in, in our hearts and turn our eyes away from Christ. It may be self self is self is after that spot often it may be a relationship it may be a spouse it may be children it may be pursuits it may be pleasures and those things have the tendency to distract and to cloud and to clutter our affections to dampen our zeal for the Lord And so, one of the dreaded side effects of of placing someone else or something else in the foremost part of our heart is that our hope begins to dwindle and shrivel. We begin to lose hope because we're placing primary affection somewhere else other than Christ who is our hope. And so we begin as believers to go down the same paths as the unbeliever. And no one is asking us for a reason for the hope that is in us because it appears that we are basically just like them. We just have something else we do on Sunday morning that they don't do. But they don't have hope, and it doesn't seem that we have hope either. We're, we're in the same chase. We're in the same rat race. And if we claim to be believers, it stands to reason to the unbeliever that I guess there's no hope to be found. So how do we return to Christ-honoring affections? All in your hearts, honor christ how do, we, how do we revive those Christ-honoring affections in our hearts? I think so much of it is what we overlook so often. It's really getting back to the very simple fundamentals of following Christ, of the Christian life. Things so basic but yet so very essential... Like spending quality time with God in His Word, communicating, hearing God, seeing God often. If you're not around Christ, you're not thinking of Christ. But when we surround ourselves in God's Word on a regular, consistent basis. And the second thing is opening up our hearts to Christ in prayer constantly. Not just exposing ourselves to the truth of God's Word, the the doctrine, the glory of God, the the majesty, the power, the promises, the treasures of Scripture. but, But also opening up our heart to Christ in prayer constantly. Talking to Christ about everything all the time that's why the scripture says pray without ceasing how do you do that well you you just pray about everything you think about throughout the whole day talk to christ about everything let what is pleasing to god guide our every motive and thought and word and deed we talked about this Wednesday night we're doing a study on wisdom and discernment and we said you know there used to be popular people would say you know WWJD what would Jesus do but but we need to be asking we we need to be asking this question what is pleasing to the lord is this pleasing to the lord and let that be our guide for everything in life is this pleasing to the lord is this activity is this entertainment Is this movie? Is this TV? Is this conversation? Is this place? Is the way I spend my time? Is the way I spend my money? This choice before me, which is pleasing to the Lord? We need to get back to gathering with the saints. Gathering with the saints i'm paraphrasing here i don't know exactly how he said it but i love when uh, tony evans says um no you don't have to go to church to be a christian and you don't have to go home to be married but it really hurts when you don't it really hurts when you don't i'm preaching to the choir and y- y'all are here saturday at three o'clock And finally, to honor Christ in our hearts, here, here's, here's one of the main things for us. Meditate deeply on the gospel. We all get to those places in our life. Life becomes busy. Things get hectic. Things distract our attention, grab our affections. And we, you, know, you wake up one day and, and you realize, man, I am not where I want to be with the Lord. I, I'm not my heart is not in flaming you know passion and love for the lord i are, and, and i want that primarily is to meditate deeply on the gospel listen to read read devotions that are on the gospel read read listen to sermons that are on the gospel sing songs listen to songs that are explaining and praising God for the gospel, all aspects of the gospel. Last Sunday, I preached from Matthew 27. We meditated on the death and the burial of Christ. And when we spend time truly thinking through all that Christ suffered and all that Christ endured in order to save a wretch like me, When we begin to really think through and see and meditate deeply on on how far Christ traveled and all that Christ endured to save a wretch, a worm. You can't help but love him. You, You can't help but love the Lord. Listen to Colossians chapter 1. Beginning in verse 27, Paul says to them, that is to the saints, to the believers, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, here it is, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil and struggle with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. The hope of the gospel. Reigniting that hope in our hearts begins with Christ honoring affection. And then, next, we see Christ as holy, the position of our hearts being Christ as holy. Verse 15, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. So, in your heart, that is, with your affections, honor, that is, put him first, Christ the Lord as holy, that means separate, distinct, different from anything else. Christ is worthy, deserves a place in our hearts different from everything and everyone else. Everything else and everyone else comes up short when compared to Christ. He is holy. He is far greater. He is far better. He is far more satisfying. He is unique. He is the only Savior. Our only substitute. He is holy. Christ in many, many times becomes simply a ticket to heaven. Christ is not a ticket to heaven. Christ is God. Christ is God. The almighty creator of all things. Who in this very moment holds the entire universe together by the word of his power. He is Lord. He rules the heavens. He rules the earth. He's sovereign over all. He is holy. Let that be the standing position of our hearts. Christ as holy. Let that be the resting position of our hearts. Christ as holy. You see, if we will simply regard him as he is, not as we have made him, But as the scripture has revealed him in his glory and majesty and grace and power. When we see him as he is, he will always take rightful place in our hearts. When we recognize God as God, as the God of the Bible, as the God that the Bible describes... He will always take rightful place in our hearts. So you see, it's not only about loving him in your hearts, honor Christ. It's about worshiping him. That's getting to the heart of it. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. That is to worship him. When we are loving Christ and worshiping Christ, we are honoring Christ. And when we do, in our hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. When Christ is chief in our affections and has the worship of our lives and of our hearts, there arises in our hearts an indomitable hope. Because our attention and our love and our praise and our worship is directed to Christ who is our only hope. And that hope doesn't fade. The context of 1 Peter is tremendous persecution. It's another reason for a weekend like this because as the culture grows darker persecution is sure to increase we will probably probably in days ahead become well acquainted with first peter as it's the book of hope for persecution but when we have this hope in christ it doesn't fade when persecuted or when tried It doesn't disappoint when it's tested. It endures even through our final breath. This is a hope that shines bright enough for the world to see. So much so that they will want to know, what is your hope? And where did it come from? Let's pray. Father, would you do that wonderful work in our hearts? Restore to us the joy of our salvation, the love of Christ in our hearts, the worship of Christ in our lives for many reasons, but for one of which that we might, as the people of God, children of God, who have everlasting life in Christ and have been made right with God, may once again see that revival of hope within our hearts and hope within our fellowships and hope within our conversations and and hope within our experiences of life. A hope that that carries us and moves us and lifts us. A hope that is recognizable, undeniable, distinguishing. A hope in the gospel and in Christ that is so great that that it causes a curiosity among those apart from Christ without hope. And then establish us, Lord, in the faith that we might be ready to give those reasons, give, make those defenses. Urge those pleas to the gospel. Compel those to come to Christ. But it begins in the heart of your people. Revive us, Lord. And then may we be your instruments of grace to the community and world around us. We love you and praise you, Father, for this hope that is absolutely certain and sure. And it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens, pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons, read blogs, and learn more about the Missions Branch P-67 missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.